Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Good morning. Hey, we don't say it enough, but uh, thanks to the praise team for preparing our hearts uh, to worship today. They, they work hard every week, always do a great job, especially here at the beginning of spring break break week. Got a lot of people out of town and we don't say enough to our media crew back there in the back. There's only a skeleton crew today, uh, but they are making it happen. So thank you guys for, for doing what y'all do each and every week. I want to remind you before we get going too far here, uh, we have something, it is Palm Sunday today, so we're beginning what we call Holy Week, and we have a devotional guide for you. Uh, We have some hard copies at the Hub. Uh, It is also, you should have got a digital copy if you receive our uh, email each week that has our bulletin on it. Uh, It also had on there a copy of the Holy Week devotion. It's also going to be on our website, and then... It is going to be uh, daily posted on the Facebook page, all right, of our church uh, Facebook site. And that's the one that y'all can really use to hit that share button and send it out to a bunch of your friends, okay, that could use the Holy Week devotion. Not only will it help them in preparation for Resurrection Sunday next week, but it'll also be a way of promoting our church and encouraging them maybe in that share to come and join us for next week's service. We all know someone that probably hasn't been to church in a while, so I encourage you to use this opportunity because next Sunday will be the one Sunday that everyone uh, will be thinking about church. So invite people to come. We look forward to seeing you, of course, uh, next Sunday as well for Resurrection Sunday. Do want to welcome all of you uh, who are watching online. We're grateful that you have joined us as well as listening by podcast. But especially those of you that are here in person this morning, especially if you're a guest, we are glad that you're here. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, I hope that I can do so on your way out. I'll be here at the exit, so stop by and uh, introduce yourself, and I'd love to meet you briefly. Well, if you are a parent or a grandparent, there's nothing more thrilling than when your kids or your grandkids have some exciting news that they want to tell you, right? And there's nothing more exciting than having exciting news to share with somebody yourself. It's just a fun thing, right? Well, we're in that stage where our two youngest grandkids that are five and a half and two and a half, they are into telling jokes, all right? So every time we see them or talk to them, they have a joke that they want to tell us. I started saying a new joke, but for our youngest one, who's only two and a half, it's usually the same joke over and over, right? And so he gets all fired up, though, about telling Matty Mac a joke. Now, my granddaddy name is Daddy Mac, okay, because I couldn't have a, anything but a cool granddaddy name. So Daddy Mac sounds like a rapper or something, right? I know, but anyway, I thought it was better than grandfather, you know? But anyway, so he, I, he can say daddy and he can say Mac. So I don't know why he caught there yet. So he'll say, Matty Mac, joke? And I say, sure, because he's got the cutest smile ever. I mean, what did the paper say, Jake? He goes, terrible. And then he just falls down on the floor rolling and laughing like that's the greatest joke in the world, right? And of course it is. Now, some of you didn't get it. You'll get it later. But paper, terrible, terrible. You've got to have an Alabama accent, I guess. But anyway... It did make us reflect on the truth that God has given each one of us a story, right? And he wants us to tell it 
to lost people. And he wants us to be as excited about sharing that story with the lost as a two-and-a-half-year-old is to share his joke with his Maddie Mac, right? And we should be telling that story because God has given us all a story. He wants us to tell it because it has your name on it. And there's things inside of your story that God will use to be a life-changing agent in somebody's life. I don't know who it is, but it will impact somebody's life because it's specific to you. And we see this throughout the early church as we look at it. So if you're taking notes, I want you to understand that God gave you a story for you to give away. That's why God gave you a story, so that you have something to tell to other people. And like I said, God has things in, his, in your story that he wants to use to share and be a blessing and reach out to other people. And it's going to be life-changing for somebody. And, and you won't ever know unless you tell it to other people. And so we're going to see this lived out in Acts 22 as we begin to look at it. And we're going to continue in our series that we've been in called Unstoppable. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Acts 22, and we're going to be looking today at unstoppable testimony. So if you've missed the last week or two, I'm going to give you just a quick recap of the bigger story that we've been following through what's been going on with the early Christians throughout this book of Acts. And it specifically centers around an apostle named Paul, right? So we met this Paul guy last week, and he'd been spending several years on mission for God. In the last several years of his ministry, he had been spending it with a group of people called the Gentiles. But now he is coming back to Jerusalem where it all started with the Jewish people, right? And he rides back in Jerusalem and he goes to the temple and he's taking part in a ritual and he thinks everything is going well. I mean, he had been welcomed back. Everything was going good. He thought, hey, things are great, even though he'd been warned not to go back because there was going to be trouble. But Paul's looking hunky-dory. But then suddenly while he's in the temple a mob attacks him, right? And they're claiming that he has broken Jewish law. And this might not seem to be a big thing for us, but for these people, this was punishable by death. And so that's exactly what they tried to do with Paul is they tried to kill him. Well, the Roman police, they were doing their job. When they got wind of this, they heard that there was rioting going on in the streets. And so they went down there and they kind of rescued Paul from this mob. And so they tried to get down to what's going on, what caused all this, who's this guy, what did he do wrong. Well, they couldn't get the truth because some people were saying one thing, other people were saying another like they always do. And so they said, well, we just need to take him to jail. We'll sort it out there. So that's what they're doing. They're on the way back to the jail with Paul. And Paul speaks to the Roman commander. He says, hey, this has been a big misunderstanding. Just let me talk to the people for a second, and I think we can straighten this out. And only by an act of God would a Roman commander stop and let Paul talk to this mob that he's barely rescued Paul from to start with, but he does. And so what we're about to read in this next story is Paul's reaction to this angry crowd. And remember, while we're reading this, he's broken, according to them, temple law. Right? He has offended God in every possible way in their minds. But what he does next is so simple and so essential to the gospel remaining unstoppable because what he does is he simply shares his story. Look at it with me in verse 3. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. 
As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. What he's saying is there are people standing out there in the crowd right now. You are an eyewitness to me being that person. You were there. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. So Paul, right off the bat, he grabs their attention by saying, hey, I'm not one of you, I am one of you. I'm not just trying to be against you, I am one of you. And if you want to put it in Jewish terms, he's saying, I was Ivy League trained. You know, you might have been there, but I got the t-shirt. Right? I wasn't just a reader of the cliff notes, man, I sat under Gamaliel. I was absorbed in it. I was taught by the best. I know the law. And then Paul goes on to let him know, even though he knows the law, he's pretty unique because he went from being a hit man to being a holy man as he tells his story. See, Paul not only persecuted the early church and first Christians, but he was excited about doing it. The Bible says he was zealous about it. See, that's what we find with Paul. He was zealous about everything he did when he was not a Christian and then after he became one. And so because he was so zealous to persecute these Christians, he asked for a broader jurisdiction in which to do so. Why? Because he did not want this false heresy of Christianity to be spread. And so he was willing to go out and to persecute and bring in all who were doing it. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down on Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. Now see, we, we read this event, we don't understand. This is an actual scientific phenomenon, right? You can be blinded by light for a short period of time and then your light can return or your sight can return. Maybe, maybe you've done this before. You've looked into the sun where your mama told you that's where all the fun is, right? And you were blinded temporarily for a while. Well, if you look in it too long, you'll find out mama was telling the truth, all right? All right? Don't look into the sun, all right? But this is what's going on. This is what happened. He was blinded by this light. And he has these several companions with him that can vouch for the fact that this truly happened. And those with him, they saw the light, they heard the voice, but they could not understand what the voice was saying because the message was for Paul himself. But they could give witness to the fact that he was blinded and that there was this voice. And so they led him by hand down the road. And for whatever reason, while he's telling this story to this angry mob, they didn't stop him. I mean, right here, Paul has just claimed that a dead man spoke to him on the road to Damascus because they had not seen Jesus. They still believed Jesus. They saw him get crucified. They saw him buried, but they had not seen the risen Lord, and so they're still thinking he's dead. And Paul is saying, no, Jesus is alive. I have not only seen him, but he has talked to me. We've had a conversation. And so they don't stop him. He continues on with the story. Verse 12. 
A man named Ananias lived there. Remember, now he is talking to an angry mob of Jews who's bent on getting the law straight. Let's look at who Ananias was. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So you have this well-respected Jewish leader prophesying that Paul is indeed the one chosen by God to take the gospel to where? Everyone. I want you to circle that in your Bible. To take the message to everyone. See, that's not the end of Paul's story. Paul goes on to say that Jesus appeared to him in a vision calling him to reach all people. Meaning all people, not just the Jews, but he was to go to the people who were not Jews. He was to go to this other people group and was sent by God to even a group called the Gentiles. Now we all have certain buzzwords or certain phrases that kind of just set us off, right? And I don't mean in a good way, I mean in a bad way. And, you know, we use this a lot, but we can relate to it. Most of us can down here in the South, but it might be a sports team, you know? Georgia Bulldog fans, they, they just get set off when they hear the buzzword Florida, right? Yes, Brother Joe, it'd be all right. I'll pray for it, all right? Us Alabama fans, we get set off when we hear the word Auburn, right? And it's becoming Georgia too now. But anyway, there are certain phrases. Maybe it's not a sports thing, but it's something else. But we all have these phrases and terms that we can relate to that just set us off in a bad way. Well, when Paul is telling his story. Remember, they haven't stopped him, but he gets up to this point where he uses the word Gentile. God has sent me, not to just you guys, but he sent me to everyone, even the Gentiles. And as soon as it comes off of his lips, this angry mob remembers why they were so mad to begin with. And so they get all up in a frenzy again. They get all mad again to the point where they start another riot and they grab him again and they try to kill him again. And so the sermon, needless to say, ends abruptly. They take Paul back to the jail and they order him to be whipped so that they can get the truth out of him about what's really going on. And it's going to be a long day for Paul because, see, he hasn't done anything wrong and you can't get anything but the truth. And he's blameless. And in the following weeks, we're going to look at this journey. We're going to walk this journey with Paul as he goes back to Rome to be put on trial. We're going to walk through that together. It's, it's a very interesting story. But for today, I want us to look at Paul's story because Paul knew that his story was more than just about him. And see, your story is much more than just about you. And Paul knew that it was much more than just about facts, just like your story is much more than just about the facts about Jesus, right? He knew that God would use it to do a couple of important things, and we're going to look at those today. The first one is this. God used Paul's story to share who Jesus is. To share who Jesus is. And even though the story happened to him, his focus would be about Jesus. And that's why Paul uses his past to set the stage for what else he has to say because the whole backdrop 
of Paul's story is this. Jesus is alive. You think he's dead, but Jesus is alive. He really is who he said he was. Because, see, you think he was a liar. You think he's dead because he said he was going to rise again from the third day. You didn't see him. I have. He really is alive. And then he starts smuggling in all this scriptural truth with his story that they're going to learn to understand in a greater way after they get over their anger. Look back at verse 14 and see what Ananias, this respected Jewish leader, said. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors. And see, right there, that said something to that Jewish crowd that day. This is God who spoke to Moses at the burning bush. This is God, who was the God of Abraham, out of his will, and to see the righteous one and hear him. You're looking for the Messiah. I'm telling you, Jesus is the Messiah. Followers. This is the whole reason that they had attacked Paul and were so mad is because they believed that he had broken temple law. And so Paul uses his past to say, hey, I knew. I know now how to do everything right I was just like you. I was a rule keeper. I was a rule follower. But then you know what? Then I met the righteous one himself and it changed everything. You see, there's a big difference between knowing how to do everything right and then doing right because you have met the righteous one. Big difference. And maybe you can relate to Paul's story. You know, you grew up in the church culture. You've learned all the Christian buzzwords. You've learned which face to wear at what time. And you've learned how to walk the line and keep all the rules. So much so. And listen, you're very zealous about it. You really are. You, you, you mean it with all of your heart. You're trying to do all the right things. So much so that you look down on others who can't keep up with you. And they're not doing the right things in your eyes. And if they're not doing the right things in your eyes in church, I mean, God knows what they're doing outside of church, right? We get that mindset going, don't we? It's real easy to do. So what Paul's showing us is, hey, Jesus alone is righteous. You don't need to look at everybody else around you. Don't look in the mirror. Look at Jesus. And so what he's saying is, no matter how good you are being good, being good is not good enough. That the law will never get you to where sacrificial love can take you. And it's not your sacrificial love, it's the sacrificial love of the righteous one. So watch this, on one end of the spectrum, Paul is using his story to speak to those who think that they know how to keep all the rules. And he's saying, being good is not good enough. You need the righteous one. You need to quit worrying about the rules. You need a savior. But Paul's not done sharing who Jesus is. Look back at verse 8. Paul asked a question. Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. So Paul tells this story in three different places here next. He, it, back in chapter 9 is where the story actually happens. And Luke is an eyewitness to it. He's part of that crowd that witnesses this on the Damascus Road. And so he records it for us in Acts chapter 9. Then he tells this story to the angry mob here in chapter 22. And then he's going to tell a story the third time in Acts 26 to a third different group of people. But here in Acts 22 is the only time, the only place where he has Jesus include something about himself. And Jesus mentions his hometown. He says, I'm Jesus 
of Nazareth. Now, that may sound insignificant to you, but we go back to Luke chapter 4 again, where Jesus begins his earthly ministry. And where does he do it? He goes and starts it in his hometown. He starts it in Jerusalem. So he goes back to the temple where he's growing up all of his life, every Sabbath. And so now he's in the temple on Sabbath day, and he's teaching the people at the temple. Guess what? They're listening very intently now to this person who grew up in their town named Jesus. And they're listening so intently until he says something that they don't like. And then his hometown, they get into a frenzy, and they start treating Jesus just like these Jews in Jerusalem were treating Paul, and they inside a right, and they try to have Jesus killed, right? But we know Jesus escaped. But Jesus, his own hometown, his family's acquaintances and his friends, all these people in his hometown, all of them said, we don't want to have anything to do with you, Jesus. And yet Jesus is willing to associate himself with all these people who never wanted to associate with him when he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. See, we read through that so quickly and we don't get it. He's willing to associate with people who didn't want to have anything to do with him. Some of y'all need to hear that today. See, we don't just serve the God of all the people who can get it right. We don't. We serve Jesus of Nazareth who associates with the people who rejected him. We serve Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost, the person that we're here to worship today actually is going after and seeking and loving all the bad, nasty, evil people out there in the world who will shoot innocent children and innocent people. That's the person God sent Jesus to die for, folks. That's who we're here to worship today. That's who he is seeking to save. We serve Jesus who came after the people who said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so many times we say, I don't either. And so we just push them away. And Jesus says, you know, if you're that kind of person, you're my kind of person. And I am coming for you. My love is chasing after you. Aren't you so glad that Jesus chased you down? Yeah. I was only 14, but I was a mean scudder. When Jesus chased me down, and I had a lot of bad in my heart, Man, y'all wouldn't believe how rebellious I was. I was mad at everything. And Jesus came along. He chased me down. And I'm so glad he did. And I know you are too. But keep listening. Because I got a message for those of you who feel like Jesus hadn't chased you down yet. See, Jesus said, I don't care how far you push me away. You can never push me so far away that I won't love you. You can even want to put me to death. Not only physically, but many out there today try to put Jesus to death by saying, I don't believe in him. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I'm not going to church down there. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. So you try to put him to death. But Jesus says, I'll never give up on you. Why? Because I am Jesus of Nazareth. I associate with all those who don't want to have anything to do with me. And you can turn your back on me, but I'm going to come after you in love. I'm going to come after you with a hope that the world can't give you. And I'm going to come. Now watch this. Paul uses this story to either end of the spectrum. Righteous one. You can never be good enough. You need a savior. And then he says to the people on this other spectrum who think that they've done so much wrong, that they've messed up their entire life, 
And they're, they're going, you know what? There are things in my past and in my closet I would never want anyone to find out. And so you think you've been so bad. You've done so much wrong that Jesus would never, ever love you. He would never chase after you. But Jesus says, no, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I will chase after you. I love you. And you too can be welcomed in. See, he's talking to both groups of people, folks. And so this isn't in your bulletin, but you ought to write it down. You can't be too lost in your goodness to not need Jesus. And you can't be too lost in your badness to not need Jesus. And you know what? That ought to be a part of every one of our story. See, whether you were saved when you were young and little and hadn't done that much wrong, or whether you were an old crotchety jerk of a person and Jesus chased you down and saved you anyway, it ought to be part of our story. Jesus is reaching out to both groups and he uses Paul's story to help us understand today that, yes, God, our Father in heaven, he has children. And we're all problem children, folks. I mean, really? Do you get that? We're all problem children. There's only been one perfect child. The perfect child was the righteous one and he died to pay the sins for all of us problem children. That's what Paul wants to reveal in his story is that if you feel like you are that problem child that God would never love enough, you're exactly the one who Jesus is chasing after. You're exactly the one who Jesus and only Jesus can permanently fix whatever you think has made you the problem. But Paul's still not done. He's not only going to talk about who Jesus is, but second of all, last of all, he wants to show you what only Jesus can do. You see, that's what the world's looking for. They're not looking for what we can do. They're not looking for what Eastern Heights can do. They're looking for what only Jesus can do. Think about the claims that Paul's making here. That Jesus, through some supernatural power, not only rose from the grave, but he appeared to him in a vision on this road long after he reportedly had died. Only Jesus can do that, folks. But there's other things that he wants to say and point out through the words of Ananias, verse 16. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So Paul comes along and he makes this bold claim to this Jewish crowd again who they knew what it took to wash their sins away because they would come to the temple all the time offering sacrifices so they could be forgiven of their sins. Remember the Day of Atonement? It's that day once a year where they would come and they would make an offering so that all of their sins could be washed away for the entire year. And it had to be a spotless, perfect lamb. Right? Remember studying about that? It's kind of like, it reminded me of the Baptist prayer blanket we throw over all of our sins where we say, Lord, forgive me for all that I've done wrong. We just kind of throw it out there. Like it's some kind of magic Forgive all. No, it doesn't work that way, folks. Grow up spiritually. Paul stands up in front of this group and says, Hey, there's a better atonement than what y'all been doing. There is a better sacrifice than what y'all have been offering, and it's the perfect lamb. It's the righteous one who took our place. And he wasn't sacrificed at the temple. No, he was sacrificed on a cross for you and for me and for all of the Jews and all the Gentiles and all the good people and all the bad people. 
And only Jesus can wash away your sins, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, not for just next year, but forever. Only Jesus, because he's the righteous one. He was obedient when I couldn't be obedient. He was aligned with God when my life was all out of whack. And so Jesus then, when he took the place of the guilty, his body was broken, his blood was spilled to pay for your sins and for my sins. And it's not just that he was the perfect sacrifice. It's that we are able to call on his name, not because we're calling on the name of a dead man, but because we are calling on the name of the one who was not only buried, but three days later he rose again. We're calling on the name of Jesus who is alive, folks. And that's what we're going to be celebrating next Sunday. But why wait? Let's get in on it today. Amen? And so we call on the name of the Lord Jesus whose name is above every other name as Paul would later write about. So when someone's baptized and they're responding in obedience to that, they're calling on the name of Jesus. Just like three last Sunday, they were baptized. They said, I've died to my old way of life and now I'm rising to walk in a new way of life with Jesus because Jesus changed my life. He did something for me that nobody else could do. I've tried all the other stuff. I've been there. I've done that. But Jesus now has given me new life. So what's the takeaway today? Well, simply this, I want to encourage you to know that you have a story that tells people who Jesus is. Be faithful to share it and to show people the things only Jesus can do. Don't show them you. Don't show them what you can do. Show them what only Jesus can do through you by them seeing him lived out in your life. See, your story, your testimony is unstoppable because it's yours. No one can ever take your story away from you. And your story is unlike anyone else's story. There is no two stories alike out there. That's why you have to be faithful to share your story because be faithful to share it and to live it out because God promises. Cast may be watching online or people right here, here today with him. And so I want to encourage you today to quit doing it on your own. And maybe you've been down the Jesus road. Maybe you've done the thing. You've said all the right words and you've done all the rule keeping and all that kind of stuff. But maybe you need a fresh encounter with Jesus this morning. I want to encourage you to seek him because he is seeking you. He's chasing after you. He loves you. He gives you hope. He forgives you. Just turn to him today. Would you do that even now? Right there where you're sitting. Right there where you're listening. Say, Jesus. I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my all. Forgive me. Forgive me for the first time. I ask you into my heart as Lord and Savior today. Or maybe you've already received him before and you say, God, forgive me for where I've fallen short and gone after life on my own. And now I want to return back to you and I want to follow your way. You make a recommitment to Jesus right there, right now. Father, thank you being life-changing in each of our lives. I pray that you would change the lives of others who are listening today, not because of my words, but because of your words. And we pray it in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Before we sing, I want to encourage you, if you 
made a decision today, like I said, I'll be at the exit on your way out. Share that with me. I'd love to hear your story, especially if it's new and fresh. I want to encourage you to be here for Resurrection Sunday next week. I want to encourage you, if you are physically able to walk a good distance, to park farthest away from the building. Maybe even some of you park on the grass, uh, out in the grassy area. Just don't park right here directly behind the gym. That's where, we're, where we'll be doing our Easter egg hunt. And we look forward to a great celebration next Sunday. And I hope that you'll invite someone to attend with us. We'll be in our regular services, the traditional in the sanctuary at 1030 temporary here in the gym at 10.30. I uh, want to mention to you, uh, uh, just got a note that uh, Sue Fowler fell. Uh, she attended the traditional service this morning. She fell and ambulance has taken her to the ER and we want you to be in prayer for Miss Sue Fowler and as we get updates we'll try to put word out there. Okay. Alright, let's stand. Let's worship together as we leave this morning. God bless you for being here. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.